give thanks unto the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Lord, we are so thankful this morning, not only thankful, but grateful to you, Lord, as we come together to fellowship, to sing praises unto your name, and to hear your precious word. We pray for those who may be hurting, those who are in pain, and those who may even be discouraged. Thank you for your healing touch, your comforting hands, and your love that heals where it hurts the most. We pray for the Spokane community and our upcoming community building day. May our students, faculty, and staff find joy in the spirit of serving others, those who may just need a smile, a hug, or simply a kind word. For your word says, the greatest of these is to be a servant. And may we serve well. May we be great representatives so that our light may continue to shine. Lord, we thank you for Forrest this morning as he comes with the most precious word, the word of God. And all those that hear, let him hear what thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thanks, Steffi. Two shout-outs. One special shout-out to the front porch over here. Yeah, front porch. That's the new name. There's, there's some more space in the front porch if you guys want. You can also pull up those couches if you want or if you want to stand. I mean, that's like... Standing is like the new, I don't know, new spinach. They say it's good for you. <laughs> Second shout out is standing desks, you know, they're like, they're like all the rage. Second shout out, uh, one more time for Eric and Pat. They quietly serve here again and again. They're so great. Thanks, Eric and Pat. Last week, uh, I promised that this week we came back, we would have pic the pictures of my family. So, we got them today. This is my family. That's my, hey, it worked. My wife, Janelle, my daughter, Esther, who's nine, Bella, who's seven, and River, who's five, four, I mean, sorry, I can hit myself four and a half almost. And uh, so Esther and I this weekend got to go to Silverwood and ride some roller coasters. It was rainy, so we got to just loop the roller coasters again and again and again. It was amazing and had so much fun together. She's, she's the one who just has her hands up the whole time, and we had a great time. And then I got a picture of me and Bella at our roller skating date this summer. We had roller skating, so much fun together. And then River and I, a couple, a couple of weeks ago, went and rode the Hiawatha Trail. You guys ever, anyone here read, rode the Hiawatha Trail? Yeah, so it's, it's, this, it's this bike trail, that's, it's an old um, railroad grade that you ride down, it's slightly downhill for the, the, round, the whole thing's 17 miles. But the coolest thing about it is that you get to ride through the tunnels, there are about nine tunnels, and, all, and over these really cool trestle bridges, and so you get to do them on your bike, so it's super, super fun. But the thing is, you can see, you can barely see kind of the river's head there, these tunnels, they're dark, like really dark. And so, so the, the, there are no electricity, there are no lights, so it's all about your headlamp. Whoever has a headlamp or your bike light. You know, you got to have your bike light, and that's all the light you have, because it is seriously dark. If you turned off your light in there, it would be, you know, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, that, that kind of dark. And the first tunnel we go in, you go in, the very, you start the ride, the first tunnel you go is almost two miles long. Two miles in this tunnel, yeah, totally crazy. So the next slide is right after we came out of the tunnel, so that's the tunnel. That's the tunnel after we came out and got our lights turned off and everything. And so 
but in those tunnels, I mean, it, it's crazy how dark it is. But it's also crazy how this little light, I mean, it's, it's like pretty small. How This little light will light up that whole tunnel. And you could totally see. The light just totally pushes back all the darkness. And we could see fine. We made our way through just great. And the hardest part is actually whenever anyone comes the other way and their light's kind of blinding you. But besides that, like, you're good. So we, we, had, we had a great time. We rode all the way down. A little father-son adventure. Had a great day. Got back. And actually, when you come back, you ride through this two-mile tunnel again. And so we did that at the end. Great finish. We had a great time the whole day. And got to the car. And this is what it looked like on the ride home. <laughs> 17 miles on those little tires. You can see his bike back there. He did it on. Um, it's a, that's a long ride. <laughs> Last week, we started, we started our series, started to get to know. We're talking, we're talking about in, in chapel this semester, relationships with Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, the year of the Lord's favor. And we saw Jesus give us his mission statement telling us he came to bring good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free. We said that Jesus comes to bring flourishing where there's languishing, right? Places where there's death and the stench of death, like that dead fish in my car. That kind of stuff. Jesus comes to bring life and flourishing where there's languishing. And now really the rest of this, of this series and the rest of the whole Gospel of Luke is actually Jesus living that out. I came to bring this flourishing, this life where there is languishing. And now Jesus is going to preach that. He's going to embody it as he, as he casts out demons and heals people and, and brings people this wholeness of salvation that, that, he, that he is bringing in himself. Not just spiritual, not just physical, not just social. It's all of it together. This whole salvation that Jesus is bringing in the, in the Gospel of Luke. And that's what we get to explore together as Jesus interacts with people and brings that flourishing where there is languishing. And today we get Luke chapter 5. He's already called some disciples, Peter, James, and John, some fishermen. He's, done, he's, done, he's been healing. He's been casting out demons. He's been preaching about what, who God is and what it means to be back with God, bringing that restoration with God. And now we come to, to Luke chapter 5. We're going to have it on the screen, and we're going we're gonna to read it together. Another, another calling event. You see up there? We'll read it out loud together. Let's do it. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and, and others sitting at the table with him. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thank you. So here's Jesus cruising around. And now here's this tax collector, Levi. And tax collectors, maybe some of you know about tax collectors. Tax collectors were the worst. They were outsiders. They were ones who had chosen to be betrayers of their people. They said, I'm going to get rich and I'm going to sell out all my brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles and friends so I get, get taken care of and I don't really care, I'm not going to care so much about them. 
So they would t- collect, they would actually probably be in, in communion with community with these people well enough to know how much money they make. So they could actually demand even more taxes from them. They could skim off the top what they wanted and then pass it on up, up the pyramid of Roman taxes. So these people are ostracized from the community. Even though they have money, they're ostracized from the community. They're also ostracized from God. Because in, that, in this interaction of, kind of, 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 of partnering up with the Romans and being partners with these Gentiles, they now have made themselves unclean. So they're actually unclean spiritually, and or they're ostracized from community. A tax collector was an outsider. Someone who's excluded and away. In some ways, you might think of a tax collector as a bad person who's far away from God. Do you have a category of that in your mind? Who are bad people who are far away from God? Maybe we don't have one. That's okay. Maybe that's better. But if you do have a category, a group, a person, that's the person who just really isn't a very good person. They are far away from God. That's what a tax collector is like. That, that's what they're like. In a way, if you think of, you think of God and the people of God as, as light, God is the source of light in our world, the source of all light and goodness, a tax collector is far away from the light. A tax collector is in darkness. Darkness from God, darkness from community. The tax collector is in darkness, like in that tunnel. The tax collector is in darkness. And yet Jesus goes out and Jesus sees him. It says Jesus saw him, saw him, fixed his eyes on him and saw him as a human being. You're a person. You're not just an excluded nobody. You're a person. I see you. Jesus saw Levi and didn't see him for all what everyone else saw him for, this bad person far away from God. He saw him as a person, a person whom he knew and loved. Jesus saw Levi. See, light is not afraid of darkness. In that tunnel, in that tunnel, there was never a question. When we turn on our light, uh, which is going to win? It's not like, oh, the uh, light's going to run away. Light's going to run away and lose the battle to this incredibly dark tunnel. No. As soon as the light's on, we all knew the light is going to win, right? That's how light works. Light always pushes back darkness. Light always wins. And so Jesus isn't worried about being contaminated or overcome by darkness. Jesus steps into the darkness and says, and sees Levi and says, follow me. See, Jesus loves us enough to come to us right where we are. Right where we are. He doesn't wait for us to come to him. He comes to us. Came into our world. The light came into the darkness, John tells us. Jesus, the word, came into the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Jesus comes to us in our darkness. Meets us right where we are. But he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. See, Jesus didn't just leave Levi there. He came to him, saw him, noticed him, and then he invited him somewhere. Hey, come. Follow me. Come, follow me. The great invitation to discipleship in Luke and in the whole Bible. Come, follow me, Jesus says. Come, learn from me. Be with me. Journey with me. Come, learn what it means to be whole and free in me. Levi had no idea what that really meant. No idea. What this could possibly mean. What his life would be following Jesus. What amazing miracles he would see. And what horrific sorrow he would see as Jesus hung on a cross and see him resurrected and be a part of the community of God. He didn't know the ways that God would use him as Jesus sent him out into the world as his ambassador, his co-worker. He had no idea 
All he knew is that Jesus saw him, came to him in his darkness, that Jesus loved him and embraced him there, and that Jesus said, come with me. That's what discipleship is. Jesus is saying to us, come with me. Jesus comes to us in our darkness, in our unknowns, in our questions, and he says, come, follow me. When I was a, a freshman in high school, and, and I didn't grow up in the church, and that, that wasn't part of my story at all, and when Jeff, Big Jeff Parr, the starting center on the football team, invited the scrawny little freshman to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting that night, I didn't realize it then, but Jesus was coming to me in my darkness. He was coming to me in my, all my, my just insecurity, all the darkness, my, my struggles, he was coming to me and saying, Forrest, I see you. Follow me. And through that year, as I, as I got a Bible and started learning, started going to the FCA meeting again and, and listening and learning, Jesus was saying, Forrest, come, follow me. Jesus came to me in my darkness, in my estrangement from God and from the people of God, and estrangement even from myself, and said, Forrest, come, follow me. I have something for you. Come with me. And y'all, I had no idea where that would go. I had no idea where that journey would lead. I had no idea all the amazing goodness that would come as I followed Jesus and walked in the wholeness he would bring in me and the people I would get to know and enjoy life with and adventures, the ways that God would use me as a part of his work in this world, the ways that I would be changed and grow and my eyes open to all these things I'd never even thought about. All I knew is Jesus said, Jesus came to me and said, follow me. This is what Jesus does to Levi here and Jesus does to you and I still today. Notice something about this too. He doesn't say Levi, Levi, follow me, um, but first. Or Levi cleans himself up a little and then come follow me. Levi, find some, get some more light in you, would you? And come follow me. No. The light comes in the darkness and says, I'll provide the light. You just follow me. I got the light. We're going to ride tandem bike. You, I got it. I'm good. We're going through the tunnel together. <laughs> I saw Kent on a tandem bike riding around campus the other day. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> it was amazing. Jesus provides the light, and we just jump on board with him. There's this, this uh, New Testament scholar, Brendan Burns, says this. Repentance is not a precondition for God's acceptance. I think we have this up here on the screen. Repentance is not a precondition for God's acceptance. Rather, it's something that, that it is something that a sense of God's acceptance makes possible, joy-filled and transformative in human lives. See, God embraces us. Jesus comes to us, brings his light to us, and says, I got you. I love you. I see you. Follow me. And then we repent. We don't have to repent first. We can't figure it out first. It's God, God's kindness that leads us to repentance. In his kindness, Jesus embraces us, comes into our darkness, says, I got, I got light for you. Let's go. And then we repent. We turn. We have a turning of the mind. We say, oh, all that stuff, that darkness I, where I was, no more. Yes, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm turning around. I'm with you. I'm following you now. And that's what Levi does. Levi says, leaves everything. Leaves the tax collector's booth. Leaves the way that he's been, he's been hoarding for himself to try to take care of himself in this way of cheating and lying and stealing Leaves it and says, I'm with you, Jesus. 
I'm with you. He leaves it. He says, yes. And in that joyful transformation, Levi then, you can take that down, Brennan. In that joyful transformation, Levi invites his friends. Let's have a party. Remember, Jesus loves parties as long as he's invited. <laughs> Think about that. That's true. <laughs> and so Jesus goes to this huge party. This party with all these sinners, all these, all these people who have been cheating and lying and stealing. He goes there. The Pharisees don't get it because they don't understand the light that God comes to us in our darkness. They want, they want people to come out to the light on their own, but Jesus knows that's not going to happen. So he comes to them. He comes to us at that party. And then the Pharisees question him, how, how come you're hanging out in all this darkness? And Jesus says, you don't get it. You don't get it. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus comes to us in darkness to call us to light. Jim Edwards, a, a former professor here in theology, says this about this passage. Jesus is not saying he's indifferent to righteousness, but that his fellowship with the disreputable was an unforgettable hallmark of his ministry and an enduring lesson to the church to embrace those who are outcast. Jesus embraces us as excluded ones, ones who are outcast, and invites us to do that as well. So this process doesn't just happen at the very beginning of Jesus inviting us to light and coming to our darkness. It goes on through our lives. Jesus comes and meets us where we are and invites us further always, again and again and again and again. And today he's doing that with you for the first time or the 100th time. Whether it's a place of sin or darkness in our lives where we haven't confessed that thing, that struggle with pornography, the struggle of self-doubt, the struggle with eating, that we can't get out there, Jesus is coming and saying, I can come there. I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. Let me in. Follow me. Or maybe something more public, maybe something more out there. Something I've been struggling with recently is, is this, this darkness of passive cooperation with systemic injustice in our world. How is it that I, kind of without, just kind of me doing my little thing with my blinders on, am allowing racism and slavery and these things to kind of happen along kind of in the stream that I'm rolling in. And I have no idea how I'm supposed to, what I'm supposed to do about that yet, but I know Jesus comes to me in my darkness there, in my struggle, and says, come, follow me. I'll lead you through this. I'll take care of you. I'm going to show you some light where you, where you only know darkness. Ben, come on up. And so what are the places today where Jesus is saying, I'm here. What places does Jesus come to that darkness in you? Because Jesus comes to us right where we are. Comes to us right where we are and says, come with me. Let's, take, let's move out of this darkness into my glorious light. Let's go on this together and see what happens as we journey in this light together. And as we do, we found out, River and I in that tunnel, it was dark in that tunnel. The light was fine. We could see. But then River said, Dad, a light. And there was the real light. The light at the end. The light, the sunlight, the full light, the goodness of God's full light in this world. And that's the light where we're moving. We're heading we're journeying. We get to be a part of that light in this world. And one day Jesus will make that light, the fullness of light everywhere. Let's stand and sing to that God who brings light.